chapter number 50 in your Bibles. If you look at Psalm 50, it says a psalm of Asaph in the title. We'll start reading here in verse number 1. The Bible says, The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken, and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. Pretty interesting, huh? Uh, that, that's a real neat verse there when you consider what the Bible says about who God is, and then you compare that to what you hear most uh, religions try to show you God is. Uh, the God of the Bible is a pretty frightening thing. Look at verse number 4. He shall call the heaven from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Now watch verse number 15. This is where I'm taking the thought from this chapter from. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. What a verse, huh? Let's pray. Father, I love you tonight. I ask you please to speak to our hearts from this passage. I pray that you'd be with my mind and be with my mouth. I pray that you'd use me, Father, to to help your people. Give us a little something tonight that will draw us closer to Jesus Christ and and help us out a little bit. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Notice in there in verse number 15, he says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. I got thinking about that the day of trouble. Listen, for me, that word trouble is a bad word. And I, now I'm, I'm grateful for what I'm about to say, but I learned very early in my life the word trouble is a bad word. You know how I learned that? My daddy. My mama. Something that we're failing to teach our children nowadays. You know what I got? I got, Michael, you're in trouble. My mom never called me Michael until, until I was in trouble. My name was Spike or Mike or Mikey, but it was never Michael. And when I was in a lot of trouble, it was Michael Richard. And when I pushed her too far, it was Michael Richard Reagan Jr. I mean, that's when I knew it, it hit the fan and it was not going to be good. There was no calming her down. I was half dead. And when I got home, dad was going to finish the job. I learned early in my life, trouble's a bad thing. I don't like trouble. To this day, I don't like trouble. I always wound up in trouble. I was constantly in trouble. I mean, my parents would sit in the back uh, over where the Aikens are, and that was their, se- their seat in church. And the reason was because my parents would tell me to sit still, and I wouldn't sit still in church. Uh, I wasn't necessarily being a bad kid, right? It was just that I was told this bad kid like the way we define it. I was told to sit still, and I didn't do what I was told. I had all the diseases. 
If my parents had just wanted to make excuses for me, then they could have made all the diseases. I mean, the doctors would have absolutely put me on all the medication. I still have the disease. You understand what I'm saying? My wife says the only time that I talk and it makes sense and I stay in one train of thought is when I preach. Outside of that, it's my whole family. It's a joke around our house. It's like we'll be talking, the family will be having a great conversation, and I'm involved in it laughing, and then I bring up something totally random, and they're like, what are you talking about? And it was something we were talking about 30 minutes ago or 45 minutes ago that I'm now bringing into the conversation. Grace, now she stays with me. She usually knows what I'm saying, but she's been punishing me lately. I'm in trouble. You understand what I'm saying? You know how she's been punishing me? She's like, isn't that awkward, Luke? It's getting weird, ain't it? Yeah, just a little. <laughs> she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know what I'm talking about. She's like, yeah, but we haven't been talking about that, honey, for the last 20 or 25 minutes. You know what it is? Well, I got ADD. I got ADHD. I got all kinds of excuses to tell you why I was behaving that way. But see, one thing my mom and dad understood, they understood that there's lines and there's boundaries in life, and that if you're told to do something, you're supposed to do something. And you know what they wanted to get through the head of a very, very stubborn little boy? They wanted to get through his head that when they tell them to do something, he was to do it. So my dad would sit back there in the back, and when I'd start squirming, first thing my mother would do is she'd reach over, she'd take her fingernails, and she'd make them touch. I don't know how that happened through my knee because there's a bone there, but her fingernails would touch. It was unbelievable pain. She also figured out how to hook the nail inside the ear. That's why I have cauliflower ear. People think it's some other things, but it's not from other It's from my mother. It started very early in my life. She'd hook that nail up in there, and then she would twist the, the lobe of the ear around the nail. That's, it's, it's bad enough to twist the ear, but you shove a sharp thing up in there, and then you twist on top. It's like, ah! Understand what I'm saying? If those two things didn't work, next thing I knew, when Dad saw Mom starting to get frustrated, it was over. He'd go, and I can remember my heart sinking. I can remember getting up and walking out. We'd go out the back door of that massive sanctuary, sat about 800 people. We'd walk through that huge foyer, up the stairs into the educational wing, uh, into the educational wing there just a little bit, go off to the left, go down the stairs in the basement. Underneath the stairs, there's a little hallway in in between two sets of stairs. Underneath those stairs in the back, there was a little like a, a, a custodial closet or something like that. And back there on the shelving, there was a bunch of wood. And you know what my daddy would do? He'd pick out a piece of wood. I think he was either playing with my mind or my little mind doesn't remember or understand was taking things wrong. But I can remember one particular time when he was picking through the wood and there was nails in some of it. And I thought, I did it now. He is going to crucify me in church. I mean, I'm going to follow Jesus. I mean, this is bad, you know. I remember looking at that like, that has nails in it. I mean, he he picked through, he'd find one that didn't have nails in it. And guess what he'd do? He taught me what trouble was. I remember one particular time dad would have these late deacons meetings, man. I, I, sorry, but this passage birthed all this in my head when I started thinking about trouble and how it hits me so hard. You say you're in trouble? means something to me. Hey, one particular time they're having late deacons meetings, and man, they go forever back there. I mean, my, a lot of other people go home. I remember a lot of times it was my mom and my sisters and I sleeping on the pews till one in the morning while they're back there in a deacons meeting. 
Recently, uh, somebody I've seen, she's up almost 70 years old now, and she was, her husband was one of the deacons, and she said, we remember all the way back when, when you were an infant, we were trying to have a deacon's meeting, and we couldn't have a deacon's meeting because you were screaming, and your dad couldn't get you to quiet down until he stuck a bottle in your mouth. You just hijacked the whole meeting. As soon as you got the bottle, you were fine. See, like, just give me what I want, and everything's good. You understand what I'm saying? Big deal, man. I remember one particular time they were late. My parents said, don't run in church. Don't run in church. Don't run in church. Well, dad wasn't looking. You understand what I mean? Come blitzing down the side aisle, cutting across, ran right into the corner of the Lord's Supper table, hit me right in the forehead, split my forehead, blood all down my face. My dad takes me in the bathroom. I remember him grabbing me, setting me up on the counter. Boom, I was standing up. He stuck me on the counter like that. And I remember looking at me. He said, quit crying. He said, I told you. This needs stitches, but you're not getting them. He's grabbing the paper, the, the paper towel. <laughs> That's horrible. Well, you know, statute of limitations is up. Leave him alone. He's an old man now, and, you know, it's all right. Clean me up, put a Band-Aid on it, try to get those little butterfly Band-Aids that pull it together and close it up. You know what I was in? I was in trouble. I figured out real quick that trouble is a bad thing. And I learned at an early age in my life, I don't want to be in trouble. And go to the grocery store. I remember this one. My mom was smart. Because you see, there's something about it, fellas, ladies, you got to understand, there's something about daddy that has a strong impact on those kids. This is why so much of our culture is such a mess, because the men are failing. My mom, my mom would spank me like no man's business. I mean, my mom would spank in syllables. Forgive all the reminiscing. I'll get over this quick and we'll get into the points, okay? This is just my little introduction here. My mom had spanking syllables. I can remember to this day. She put us over the toilet. You bend over the toilet in that little tiny bathroom. And she had a little paddle that dad had made that had a handle on it. I know nowadays people don't know what those are anymore, but it's, it's a piece of wood and it has a handle and it's thin. And what you do is you apply it to the proper part of their body. It's not abuse. You don't beat them to death. You don't do anything illegal. You just apply a few stings to the proper part of the body and it lets them know that trouble's not a good thing. They don't like trouble. So understand what I'm saying? And when they're given orders, they try to abide by those orders. They do what they're told. That, that's a really good thing. And when you don't do what you're told, it's a really bad thing. It's called trouble. She'd spank in syllables. I mean, oh my word, man. I mean, I mean, remember one time she's just wailing on me and wailing on me, and I'm fighting back as best I could. You understand what I'm saying? Like, just, you know what I mean? And, and that pedal broke. It split right down the middle. I remember it hitting the wall and ricocheting off the wall and rattling around in the bathtub, and she was just at her wit's end. She's just like, I can't do this. She stomps out, and I'm just like, but you know, it wasn't as bad. It was, she wore me out. You understand what I mean? But it was mom. It was nowhere near as bad as when mama, when I got it from mama and I wore mama out, that when daddy walked in the door to a frazzled mama, I figured out real quick, this ain't good. He come in all smelly from work. He'd take, he'd, he'd go, and then he'd fold it in half, and he'd go, and something inside my soul melted. My mom figured out how to push my buttons one day because she's carrying in the groceries. 
And I'd given her nothing but trouble all the way through the store. I mean, I literally gave my parents nothing but trouble. I was a very high-strung kid and very stubborn. And she come in from the grocery. She said, go sit in your room till I have time to spank you. And when you get home, I'm telling your dad he's going to spank you again. I went to my bedroom and I sat there. And I sat there and just screamed for her to please come spank me. And a light bulb went off in my mom's head. Kids with ADD don't like to sit still. So she said, you're going to sit and you're going to wait. And if you say one more word to me, I'm going to tell your dad and you're going to get more spankings. When she got done, I think she might have cooked dinner or something too, because it was a really long time. (laughs) She came and spanked me and my dad spanked me. When my dad got home, you know what I started to figure out? I don't like trouble. You know, the problem with today's society is when you say you're in trouble, it means nothing. You got debt. I don't pay it. You committed a crime. What you going to do about it? You're in trouble. So what? You know what trouble is? Trouble's a bad thing, folks. It's not like, you know, nowadays it's like, well, you just get married and if it don't work out, we're just going to get divorced. No, you know what divorce is? I've been around it and I've tried to help a lot of people through it and I've tried to help a lot of people avoid it. And I'm telling you what divorce is. It is trouble. It's bad. I don't like trouble. But I'm thankful that according to verse number 15, when I am in trouble, I got a God in heaven that I can call on in the day of trouble. And he says that he will deliver. One thing I knew about my dad is that if I was really in a bad spot, that same dad that taught me how much I don't like trouble because that dad put me in trouble. He allowed me to taste trouble. He made my trouble real and painful and something I wanted to avoid at all costs. But I've also known something else about him. Listen to me. When I was in trouble, it was great having a dad to call and get some help because he cared about my trouble. I think my dad had a pretty good balance on it because he would tell me this, and he meant it. He said, if you ever wind up in jail, don't call me. I taught you how to stay out of jail. Because he knew the kind of guy I was, and there was a possibility of that happening. I taught you to stay out of jail. You wind up in jail, don't call me. I said, fine, I'll call Uncle Johnny. <laughs> But I knew one thing about my dad. He wouldn't bail me out. Why? Because he he wanted me to feel the repercussions of my trouble. What I'm going to try to show you tonight is that trouble is a bad thing. But trouble is somewhat of a necessary thing. The word trouble would not even be in the English language if it was not for sin. Do you ever think about that? If Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden had not sinned against God, there would be no need for the Word to even exist. The reason for trouble, folks, the reason for trouble is because of the presence of sin. The reason we need a God to deliver us out of trouble, a God in the day of trouble, is because of the sin that is in the world. That is not just the world's sin, but it's your sin and it's my sin that gets us in trouble. I'm glad there's a God in heaven who will allow us to be in trouble because the trouble helps you realize I shouldn't have done what I did. I'm going the wrong way. 
that was a bad decision in my life that's going to bring destruction. But that same God that allows you trouble, that same God that will put a whooping on you is the God you can call on in the middle of that trouble that will come and help you out. It's an amazing thing. The reason for trouble is sin. In verses 1 through 5, I want you to notice that this is a tribulation passage. Talking about the mighty God in verse number 1, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. See that? Verse 5 is, gather my saints together, those that made a covenant with me by sacrifice, right? Verse 6, the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. Selah, as I've showed you going through the book of Psalms, is always in the context of the tribulation period, the great tribulation. For those that may not know, that's a time that's coming in the future at some point when the whole world turns against Israel and tries to wipe Israel off the map. That's a time when God is going to be bringing the judgment on His people and He will come to deliver His people. He's going to speak to them. In verse number 7, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. So this is not addressed to the church. This is addressed to the Jews. In verses 1 through 5, it is God having a tribulation appearance to Israel. He's going to come. He's going to thunder from heaven, a fire about him. There's going to be a rapture in the middle of the tribulation and at the end of the tribulation that's not a church rapture. We're already raptured out. God's going to bring a rapture in the tribulation period as well. So this, in verses 1 through 6, this is talking about sin in the world, a time when great trouble comes upon Israel, a time of great tribulation. The reason for the tribulation is sin is going to be absolutely let go on this planet like it's never been before. It'll be a horrible time. God's going to have his bride out of here. He's going to loose Lucifer and he's going to allow him to have power on this earth where now he may be restrained to some extent. He has to go to God according to the book of Job and get permission to do certain things. At that point, he's coming down with great wrath and he's going completely nuts. His anger and his bitterness and his hatred for God and his desire to win and fight to the bitter end and wipe out God's people and pull God off the throne. It's going to be all rage from Lucifer and he don't care who he kills in the process. He's going to wipe out as many as he can. Can I say this? It's going to be harsh, but I want you to know I'm saying it from a very compassionate heart. So I guess you'd term it tough love. If you're not saved, if Jesus Christ is not your personal Savior, you are a fool. I mean, if somebody has given you the truth, if you've never heard the truth, then you ought to say, I need to find out that truth. I want to know that truth, and I'm not leaving here today till I have that truth. I want to know that. But if you've heard that truth, and you've rejected that truth, you are a fool. That devil don't care at all about you. He's the thief that cometh to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He'll wreck your life. He'll ruin your health. He'll do everything he can to get you addicted and messed out and strung out. Ruin your marriage. Ruin your children. Ruin everything. And damn your soul to hell because that's where he's going and he wants you with him. And he don't care what he does in the process. And he hates Jesus Christ. Sin. Let me tell you something about sin, young people. My dad told me, and you need to memorize it. 
Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it will cost you more than you wanted to pay. You just wanted to burn a little joint with your friend to get a little buzz because it's, you know, it's not addictive and, you know, it's no big deal and everybody's doing it and, you know, I can play around with this one and I'm going to just play around for a little while then I'm going to get right with God because other people have, you know, they messed up and then they got right and everything's cool. They just, you know, their trouble, you know, it, they just get right back in. Everything's fine. There's no repercussions for their actions. There's no, there's no spanking from God. I mean, God's gracious. God's loving. And so, you know, when you, when you mess up and you get right, God's just like, oh, okay, it's all good. Well, we do have a gracious, loving God, don't we? We have a God when you've messed up and you're in trouble, you can call on Him and He'll love you and He'll clean you up and bring you back, don't we? Yes, but that same God has told us not to mess up because there's wages and payment for your sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. The chickens come home to roost and when you sow those seeds, you're going to have to reap them. All you can do once you've sowed them is hope and pray for the mercy of God. But you absolutely had better be 100% repentant about that thing. Sin is the cause of trouble. I mean, my parents never whooped me for fun. I guarantee you it wasn't fun. I can remember frustrating them. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I can remember frustrating my parents. I, I had a bad temper from the time I was born. I, the first fight I ever got in was my bike. I took the training wheels off because I told my dad I want the training wheels off. My dad said, you're not ready. And I said, I want the training. I just insisted until I got the training wheels off. He said, you're not ready yet. So I was I can do it. I can do it. He took the training wheels off and the bike wouldn't stay up. So I beat it up. I mean, I really did. I was slamming it on the ground and kicking it and all the I remember, I remember my mom. I mean, how, how young do you got to be? I mean, I was young at that. I remember my mom just like, what is wrong with this kid? You, got a, you have a horrible temper. That is sin. You're, you, we paid for that bike. You're getting a whooping. And then I got another whooping when my dad got home. You understand what I'm saying? Trouble. I guarantee you they didn't enjoy it. My parents never spanked me just because they were mean, horrible ogres. They spanked me because I was a sinner. Do you understand what I'm saying? My trouble in my life has never been because God just wants to wreck my life. My trouble's always been a direct connection to sin. But listen, I've been in a lot of trouble at times when I didn't do anything wrong. But that ain't God's fault. See, the problem is when you get in trouble for doing right, the devil has an opportunity there to get in your mind and get in your heart and say, look at you once you're trying to do right. And you're going the right direction. You're leading people to Jesus Christ. You're bringing people to church and your son breaks his leg a third time. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Then you're like, not, not to be too specific, sorry guys, but well, you're trying to do right and it's like, are you joking? Like everything's coming apart right now? Yeah. You know what the problem is not? The problem is not God. He put you in a garden in a perfect place. You know what the problem is? Sin in the world. It's a sinful world. And as a result of a sinful world, you, no matter how much you try to serve God, you're still going to have trouble in your life. Here's the one thing that I want to strive with all my heart and mind to do. I want to strive with all my heart and mind to make sure that when I get in trouble, I'm in trouble for doing right. (laughs) 
Because, man, it's great to call on God and say, Lord, you see what I've been trying to do. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to accomplish some things for you. And now there's some feed, there's some kickback, and there's some pressure. And there's, like we're looking at in Nehemiah, there's some resistance to the work. So, God, I need help. I need a deliverer. Help me out. But you've got to understand that trouble comes. The reason for the trouble is because of sin in the world and because of sin in our hearts. Sin subtle. Look at verse number 7 in Psalm chapter 50. Sin is subtle. He says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or for thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. Isn't that, isn't that strangely worded? You ever read the Bible and get a little confused? Be honest. You know what I don't think you need to do? You don't need to rewrite it. God wrote it like that on purpose. When Jesus Christ preached, he preached in parables. And they came to him, the Pharisees, you know, why dost thou speak in parables? The King James Bible is so hard to understand. Well, sometimes the way he writes it on purpose is like, wait a minute, what's he saying? You know what he just did? He slowed you down. And he made you focus and he's got you thinking. And what he's saying is pretty clear. But at a superficial reading, you can say, well, what's he talking about? He says, here, Israel, I'm going to talk. I'm going to testify against thee. I'm God, even thy God. I won't reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. So they're trying to do right. You see that? They're continually with their burnt offerings and sacrifices. He says, I'm not going to correct you for the fact that you're trying to do right. I won't take a bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. He's saying, I'm not trying to get nothing off of you. You're trying to serve me. You're trying to do right. That's great. And I'm not going to stop you from trying to do right. I'm not going to rebuke you for trying to do right. But you're trying to offer me stuff that I don't need. Well, I mean, I just, I have to because if I don't, who's going <laughs> to? Trust me, if you don't, God will find somebody else. Shocking statements coming from a pulpit. I understand that. But you've got to stop and think sometimes. I heard a preacher say this, and it made me stop and think, and now I say it because it's right. If you don't want a witness, don't. Well, souls are going to go to hell. Hey, you know anything about God? If somebody's looking for the truth, and they're responding to the creation, they see there has to be a God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. There's, there's obviously a God. And they're responding to creation. And they're responding to conscience. Man, I'm a sinner. Man, I shouldn't use that word. Man, I shouldn't have looked at that. Man, I shouldn't have done that. And they recognize they're a sinner. If a person's responding to those two witnesses, which is all God has to give somebody to be just in their damnation. He gives them two witnesses, creation and conscience. If a man responds to those two things and is looking for the truth, God will get him the truth with or without you. You just get the privilege of being involved if you will be involved. Hey, thank God for that privilege. I want to lay up those treasures in heaven. I want to be a part of what God's doing. But if I don't, somebody else will. So you don't want a witness? Don't. How about that? See, we get it all backwards. God's saying, I see all you're doing for me, 
but all you're doing for me, you're just doing on the outside. You're just making these sacrifices. I'm not stopping you from the outside. I'm not telling you to stop doing the right things. I'm not telling you the outside, doing the right things on the outside is wrong. What I want to show you is there's something deeper here that we need to deal with. There's something a little bit beneath the surface that's more important to me. He says, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you. I'm going to reprove you, but not for the sacrifices. And he explains to him why in verse 10 and 11 and 12. He says, every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains. Those birds are singing. God knows all their names. Isn't that wild? He says, I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. I, I, they're all mine. So listen, if you can help me out, please tell him to tell the rabbits in my stinking neighborhood to quit eating my petunias. If you get any tricks, let me know. I mean, I'm spraying that. Anyways, let's get back on track here. That's my ADD, all right? He's got it. They're all his. He says in verse 12, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I would not tell thee. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Look at verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. You know what he's saying? I'm talking about what gets us in trouble is the subtlety of sin. And sin's so subtle that it will be happy to allow you to do all the right things on the outside as long as you're not doing the things in the heart that God wants you to do. In other words, you can be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You can witness, you can give, you can clean up, listen to the right music, break the addictions, walk with Jesus Christ, do what you're supposed to do, be a good husband, good wife, good child, good father, good mother, and be far from God. Because of the heart. And he's saying, I got something to say to you. Do I need all that? Did you do God a favor coming tonight? He's like, well, I was in church Wednesday night, Lord, so, you know, now you got to bless me. Like, okay, God's really impressed. He really needed you here tonight. Or did you come tonight because you're offering God a sacrifice and you're looking for God to speak to your heart and say, Lord, show me what I need to change and work on me and help me and I want to draw closer to you and I need some more Bible. And Lord, in the middle of this work week, I need my brain, my, brain, my spiritual brain rebooted and it's worth it if I don't get to sit on the couch and watch the stinking television tonight. And instead, I go, sit, I, go, I go walk in, I sing three songs, and then I sit down and I listen for a few minutes. Is that a sacrifice God's worthy of? Amen. See the difference? The subtlety of sin. Notice something else about it. Look down at verse number 21. The subtlety of sin. Reasons for trouble is sin. These things thou hast done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. You know what sin will tell you? Sin will tell you that you're God. Now, you'd never say that. Not unless you're completely loony. And there are some very loony people that say that. They believe, you know, that we're gods and we're going to become gods and gods and all of us and we're all little gods. And they're nuts, okay? That, listen, it's just, I, I, you know, if they're silent saying that to me, I would try to work with them if there's any level of desire for truth there, but most of the time, that's just demonic. That's extremely Luciferian. He said, ye shall be as what? We're gods, we're all gods. That's the devil talking. 
That's his first message to mankind. Ye shall be as gods. If you'll disobey him, then you'll be as a god. We're all gods. Okay, nut. You're listening to the wrong god. That's your problem. Yours is a small g. The god of the Bible. That's the one I'm listening to. Now, none of us would come and say, I'm God, right? But here's how we, here's how we actually do that. He said, when these, things, when, when these things hast thou done, and I kept silence, thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. In other words, you think you see everything the way God sees it. Or I should say it this way, God sees everything the way you see it. You know what that is? That's a great way to get yourself in a lot of trouble. If you think you see everything the way God sees it. Uh, it's said this way. Well, my God would never. Oh, you own him? You got him on a leash? Is he in a cage? Let me, go, let me come over. I'd like to see your God. Where's he at? Open up the cage there. Show me what you're talking about. My, you own him. My God would never. It's that, spirit about, it's that spirit about the phraseology. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very different than my Lord, my God, in a bowed head, and a recognition of who He is. Go back up to verse number 15, uh, 16. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? See how subtle sin is? They, they want to speak on behalf of God. They want to get in a pulpit and open a Bible and try to speak on behalf of God. Look at verse 17. He said, Why are you talking and speaking my covenants when you hate instruction, seeing thou hatest instruction and casteth my words behind thee? If you can't be corrected, that is one of the surest signs that sin is taken over in your life and God's not for you. It's hard to be corrected, isn't it? I spent all that time talking about all that stupid stuff when I was a kid. I want you to understand that for me it is extremely, extremely, extremely difficult to be corrected. I was born with that, I was born with that, that way, that spirit. It's the spirit of a man. And, and, and some people have more of an intense human spirit. And I was born with that intense human spirit. And for me, it's like, don't tell me what to do. You tell me not to touch the cookie jar? That wouldn't even hide it. I look, I'm right in the eyes. Defiant. I understand how hard it is to be corrected. But I'm trying to tell you, church, that if you can't let God correct you, you are going to be in trouble. One of the greatest things there is, one of the greatest things there is, is to get to a place where you say, God, if I'm wrong, show me. And when you show me, I will get it right. That'll keep you out of trouble. Reasons for trouble is sin. Keep looking at it if you would. When thou seest a thief in verse 18, then thou consentest unto him and has been partaker with adulterers. I can tell you, you know, he didn't say that he was stealing. He said he saw him and consented with him and was a partaker with the adulterers. I can tell you a lot about you, your character, and your kids and their character by who their friends are, Period. Period. Don't ever get this attitude like, all oh, the bad kids ruined my good kid. That's not the truth. Your kid flocked to what was inside of them. Your kid allowed to influence them what they wanted to influence them. 
understanding that truth and being willing to accept it will help you help them when they're in trouble because they will be in trouble with the wrong crowd. Don't ever forget this. My preacher said it, and I've watched it over the years. Blood is thicker than the Bible. Do you know what that means? It's a weird statement, ain't it? Blood is thicker than the Bible. What that means is a lot of people that believe the Bible and love the Bible and love the Lord will stand for the truth until the truth corrects the family. Then all of a sudden it's, (laughs) we got an issue. Well, I'll tell you something about your family. I'll tell you something about yourself. You want to judge it fair? Look at who you hang around with. That's what God says. Look at verse 19. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother, thou slanderest thine own mother's son. So you see their mouth is running, they're saying the wrong things, they're slandering other people. Reasons for trouble. I'm telling you right now, you slander people and you run your mouth, you're going to get in trouble. For every finger you point at somebody else, there's three more pointing back at you. If you've got bad stuff to say about them, then what good is it going to be to say it? You live in a day and age where everybody's a warrior on the internet. They'll post all kinds of stuff. They'll say all kinds of stuff. They'll make all kinds of videos. And I'll tell you why they do that. Because they're a stinking coward. If you won't walk in those doors and get in my face and say it, then I don't have enough respect for you to even watch your stupid video or read your post. And when you see them or know about them, don't even bother sending them to me because I don't stinking care. I'm not going on a rant. I'm telling you, I don't care. Don't, Don't get offended for me. They're cowards. A real man will come say it to my face. And if it got something to say, say it to my face. Let's hash it out. Let's go back and forth. Let's discuss the issue. Let's open the Bible. Let's figure it out. They won't. They're cowards. You know what? A guy like that will wind up in trouble. If you get hooked up with them, you'll wind up in trouble too. The roadmap through trouble. Look at verse 7. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. When you're in trouble, because you're going to get in trouble sooner or later, you're going to mess up. Or somebody around you you love is going to mess up. Or sinful people in the world are going to get you in trouble. What do you got to do? What's the roadmap through it? He says, here, oh my people. You know what I want when I'm in trouble? I want God to talk to me. I want to hear from God. Notice something else. Look down in verses 19 and 20. We just talked about this. Thou givest thy mouth to evil and thy tongue framest deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against, thou slanderest thine own mother's son, right? Talking against us. You know what happens when you're in trouble? You're trying to figure out how to get through the trouble, right? So you know what you'll do a lot of times? If you're anything like me, you'll start talking. Do you know when you're in a lot of trouble, it's not a real good time to be talking too much? Yeah. Because what did it say in the next verse? I think it was the next verse in verse 21. It says, I kept silence in verse 21. These things thou hast done. Right in the context, he says, when you were running your mouth, I wasn't talking. You know what your roadmap through trouble is? It's God. He's the one that will help you figure it out. He's the one that can show you, listen, here's where you are, and I know it's a mess. But guess what? I'm not done yet because you're still alive. 
And, and if I was wrapping it up and making you perfect, I'd end it. Because when, you, when, when it's ended, you know you're going to finally be perfect. You won't be in this sinful flesh anymore. Ain't that great? <laughs> uh, he's not done yet. So when you're in trouble, remember God's not done yet. And there's a roadmap through the trouble, but you have to hear what he's saying. And if you're going to be able to hear what he's saying, sometimes you have to stop talking. Because when you're in trouble and trying to figure it out, and all that confusion and commotion is going on in your heart and in your mind and in your soul, and you're frustrated and you don't like this, and you're blaming yourself because you screwed it up and that's why you're in trouble, or you're blaming other people because you're trying to do right and now you're in this mess and the devil's attacking and you're trying not to get frustrated with God and you're trying not to get frustrated with people and circumstances and yourself and there's all that, that dirty, I call it that dirty feeling when you're in trouble and you're trying to be right with the Lord and you're struggling to do that and you're trying not to get bitter and you know and you feel the guilt and you're trying to figure out whether you should feel guilt or not feel guilt. Am I completely crazy? You guys are looking at me like, he needs a doctor. Am I the only one that feels that way? When you're in that spot, you need to hear from your heavenly father. You know what I appreciate about my dad? He never just popped off the belt and just started wailing on me. I always knew what was going on. I knew what the end goal was. So even if you've messed up and God as a result in his love is disciplining you, then that is a great time for you to hear what he's trying to say because one thing I know about him is he, when he knows you get the point, he doesn't overdo it. He is a good dad. He's got a sense. He's got a, he's got a discernment. He's got a sense of timing. He's got a sense of how far to push, when to stop. What, I mean, he, he's real good. So if you're getting mad at him because you think his timing is off, you're off. God, I'm listening. Why? Because I need a roadmap through my trouble. And I'm going to shut my mouth because I know this much God. When I read the book of Job, a perfect and upright man fears God and eschews evil. And when he was in his trouble and he started talking, he got himself in trouble. And when I start running my mouth too much, you said you're going to shut yours. So I don't want you to stop talking to me. So I'm going to be quiet. Roadmap through trouble. Look at the remedy for the trouble and we're done. Look at verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving. Good thing to do when you're in trouble is just stop and thank God. You know what that is? That's a sacrifice. It's real easy to thank God when you get promoted. Real easy to thank God when you get, you know, a raise, a new job, a new house, a new car. Good news from the doctor. That, that's not really a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's a thanksgiving that you owe him, that he appreciates that you're not an ingrate, that you don't just give me and expect God to do it for you. God appreciates thanksgiving. But man, when you're thanking God in your trouble, He appreciates that. That's a sacrifice. Lord, I realize that you know where I'm at. I realize that you know what's going on and I don't like it, Father, but I know you're God and I just want to thank you for loving me. Thank you for trusting me with this trouble. And I ask you to bring me through it stronger for your glory. I got real worried when Brother Paul got saved. He hadn't been saved long at all. Got saved at 59 years old. Shortly after he gets saved, he's growing in the Lord, doing great, teaching Sunday school, cleaning the church, all excited about all he was doing for God. Real excited. about. And then he started getting sick. And, and he's, you see him, he's wearing oxygen tonight. I thought, man, I, I, just, I remember thinking, oh no, he's not going to make it. 
How am I going to explain to him that God would let this happen to him after he gets saved and at 59 years old gets saved and turns his life around? I mean, look at them. They're here on a Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're faithful to be in church. They were involved, man. Why'd God do this? Well, you know how many opportunities he's had to witness? She's had to witness? How many doctors they've been able to witness to? What a testimony he's been in the case. And how he's thanked God and praised God. I got good news. I got good news. His good news from the doctor would be like my bad news. Like, oh, no. I mean, hey, I got good news. And it was good. Praise the Lord. That's a sacrifice of things. That pleases God. God trusted him with something. And he's been a testimony. So listen to me. When some of you younger folks are like, oh, I couldn't make it. I was tired. I wasn't feeling good. I twisted my ankle. I want you to look at Brother Paul. And then, and then come back and give me an excuse again why you couldn't make it to church. Come back and tell me. I, I, I couldn't hear you. Could you speak up a little bit why you weren't here? You see, it's a testimony that, hey, listen, I can thank God in my troubles. He's still a good God. Amen. God, God appreciates that, boy. That's something deep. That's something that's not on the outside. That's something that's a blessing to a preacher. That's something that gives me something to preach about. That keeps me going when I want to quit. And more you do the same thing, you've got to stay at it, even though you're having a hard time, and offer God some thanksgiving and make a vow unto God in verse number 14. Hey, listen, God, I'm not quitting just because I'm in trouble. I'm not stopping. You're worth serving. And I'm going to have trouble in this cotton-picking, wicked world with or without you. So give me the trouble with God. Because sooner or later, he's going to bring me out of it. And he's going to glorify himself. Look at verse 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. You know what you got to do when you're in trouble? Commit to doing the right thing. You will not always feel like doing right. You're going to go to school. You take a week at camp and that's one thing. That's great. Decisions are made. I believe lives can be changed in a week of that much preaching. But camp ends. And you go back to school and you're in the class and you're in the hallways and you're in the cafeteria and I am telling you, trouble's going to start if you're doing right. The devil ain't happy to just let you get some things right with God, sit in services and cry, answer altar calls and make commitments to God. He's not just going to sit back and go, oh, okay, we're going to let these kids make progress. Like he wants to watch a second, another generation getting a hold of some of the truths, fall in love with the Word of God, fall in love with Jesus Christ, making decisions to marry a godly person and raise their kids for God's glory. Hey, he's not just going to sit back and let that go. You're going to have trouble. You do right, and the kids that don't want to do right are going to come after you. You know what you got to do? You got to make a vow. You got to say, God, between me and you, No matter what kind of trouble comes, I'm going to order my conversation the way you want it ordered and I'm walking with you and I'm serving you come hell or high water because I love you and I want to give you glory. And that, folks, is the remedy for your trouble. Because once God's presence comes into that problem, all of a sudden the problem doesn't feel the same. Now look back at verse 15 and we're done. 
and call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. You know what God can do and does do with our troubles? He gets glory out of them. Why? Because if you make those decisions to hear his voice and follow him, a road map through the trouble and see the remedy for your trouble, which is, which is offering God and offering a thanksgiving and deciding that even in your trouble you're going to do right and then calling on him, asking him for help, seeking his face. When you call upon the Lord, he says, I'm going to do something for somebody like that. I'm going to deliver them. You know your problems are only temporary. They just don't seem to stop. All right, how long you got to live? How long, what do you, you know, somebody said, you know, Brother Reagan lives another 60 or 70 years. I thought, good night, man. Uh, I think it was the missionary Sunday night. I don't want to live another 60 or 70 years. That makes me 100 and, 104 to 114. Like, no, thank you. Right. I ain't got that long left. So I, I guarantee you one thing. The day is coming soon when God's going to fix every problem I got. You know what that is? That's a grave. In the meanwhile, if my life is up and down and full of trouble from here to there, as long as he's with me in it and he delivers me from it, guess who gets the glory? God. And you know what he wants? He wants glory. And you know what he deserves? He deserves glory. So if you're in some trouble tonight, then there's your road map. You know the reason for it. It ain't God. The road map, you can see what it is in the text. And the remedy, thank God for it. Call on his name and trust him to bring good out of it. And guess what he will do? He will deliver you. And you ought, you ought to turn around when he delivers you and glorify him. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and stop there tonight. We'll pick up the next chapter next week. No invitation. We'll just pray and be dismissed.